What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Nerdy Before It Was Cool podcast, where we talk TV shows and films, especially ones that have to do with comic book characters. You know, superheroes, villains, drama, action, all that good stuff that our friends used to make fun of us for liking back in the day, but is now cool. Just a second, guys, before we get into today's topic, I want to talk to you about something called Anchor. It's the easiest way to start a podcast out there, and the best part about it is it's 100% free. There's a lot of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's dope for somebody like me because I'm always on the go. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you'll be heard on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. And my favorite part about it is you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor will start giving you ads right away. It's everything you need and more to make a podcast right here in one place. So if you're looking to start a podcast, make sure you go to the App Store and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm. First and foremost, I just want to say it's so good to be back. If you missed the updates episode, I was just letting you guys know where I've been, what I've been up to. I've actually had a career change. I've actually had a move recently, a career change. I've moved. I was in a three-year relationship and we broke up. We're no longer together. So just a lot of life has happened, guys. If you didn't know, first and foremost, I am an artist and I also have another podcast, which is music orientated, which was my first podcast. So while I was going through all that craziness, I was very overwhelmed and some something had to be paused for just a second while I got everything together. And unfortunately, it was this podcast. This was my newest venture. Um, and I'm so sorry that I fell off a little bit. I know a lot of you are really getting into it. And I know I'm going to have to earn your trust back with my consistency. And I guarantee you guys I will do so. But now that we got all that out the way, guys, today's episode is going to be based on Venom 2. I'm going to do a deep dive and review on that movie. We're going to talk about some Easter eggs. We're going to talk about the movie in general. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it just okay? Also, we're going to talk about what this movie means for the Sonyverse and the MCU moving forward and what means for Venom moving forward, which if anybody has ever read a comic book before, seen a cartoon before, you know Venom and Spider-Man are directly entangled. If you have not seen the movie Venom 2, there will be some spoilers in this episode, but I will definitely let you know before those spoilers arise. I won't just spring them on you. So before we get into Venom 2, we have to talk about the anomaly that was Venom. Uh, The movie was fun, but kind of dumb. It was very tonally inconsistent, but the parts where they leaned into the hilariousness, the parts where they leaned into the wacky and kind of campy, it really, really worked in that first movie. The stuff that didn't work was when they tried to make it this huge, big opening, big, grand, bombastic action movie like Eddie Brock soaring through the air on a motorcycle and things like that. Those scenes didn't really work for me in Venom 1, and uh, I wouldn't call Venom 1 a cinematic masterpiece by any means, but for whatever reason, I've watched it a couple times, and it's just it's just a really fun movie, especially when they lean into uh, the character, and you see the dynamic between Eddie Brock and Venom. That's kind of like the most interesting part of the first movie. As a Venom fan and a fan of all the Spider-Man's Rose Gallery, when I first saw the movie, I was expecting to see Carnage. Um, but like these movies are always doing, they're always thinking about the sequel before they even finish the first movie. So we got this weird uh, riot guy or riot symbiote, which well, he was kind of cool, slate gray. But 
he was just kind of an underwhelming villain. So was the actual guy that Riot formed with. I don't remember his name, like the fake Elon Musk guy in their universe. Even like the motivations of Eddie in that movie to go after him were just kind of weird. Like, like I said, it wasn't a perfect movie, but I love it because it was super, super fun. And regardless of what anybody thought about Venom 1, I mean, it made a billion. That's what these superhero movies are striving for every time they cost so much money to make. Anywhere from $200 million to $600 million. I think like Justice League and, and uh, Batman v Superman, I think those movies cost like $630 million or something crazy like that. So these superheroes are always striving for that billion and Venom 1 hit that. So... I had no doubt in my mind that the second one would be popular as well. Uh, and what my expectations were, I expected them to lean into the camp, lean into the goofy, lean into the silly. I mean, we are talking about a space goop symbiote who binds to human hosts and can grow large and eat people and has a really long tongue and sharp teeth and can jump over buildings and has infinite knowledge of the world. Like, so I, I, I didn't want a grounded Venom movie. I, and I'm glad they didn't try to make it more grounded and more serious. I'm glad they leaned into the camp, leaned into the funny, because honestly, that was some of the best parts of Venom 1. So basically, the synopsis, if you loved the the goofiness and the campiness of Venom 1, then you are going to love this movie. If you like the first one, you'll love the second one. Now, if you hated the first movie and you thought it was just a tonal mess and you didn't think any of the comedy worked, then you'll probably hate this one just the same. All right, so I'm going to get into the plot a little bit of this movie and the things that I liked and disliked about it. So if you are not wanting to hear any spoilers, just kind of fast forward through until you hear me not talking about the plot anymore. Um, if you don't care about those things and want to enjoy the movie either way, feel free to keep listening. But anyways, okay, so the movie doesn't take place too much longer after the first movie. They're still looking for the murders, murderers and the people who killed the people from the first movie. All they know is Eddie Brock seemed to always be around. So he is a suspect and they're still investigating him in the second movie, which is um, basically where we get the dialogue between him and the lead officer on the case. Um, I'm, I don't remember his name, but yeah, that's where we get the dialogue between them two is basically inferred that these two have a long history um, in this universe. Eddie Brock is basically like a washed up reporter. <laughs> He's like a, a washed up reporter who had a pretty big fall from grace from being on top of the reporter world and is now, um, you know, trying to make his way back, trying to climb his way back to the top. Um, and in doing so, he did a, a lot of pretty shitty things. He 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 pretty much was supposed to be working hand in hand with this officer, giving him information about Cletus Cassidy and some of the previous murders that he did. But as soon as he got the clues for those, he went and solved it himself and kind of hung the officer out to dry. So he's Eddie Brock's not a great guy, um, which is kind of makes him a, a pretty interesting character in that regard, because nothing about him is kind of likable. It's kind of whiny. He's kind of douchey. He's pretty shitty to the people around him, kind of shitty to Venom. He, you know, can't keep a girl because he's kind of childish. And honestly, he's just really dumb. <laughs> he's a really dumb character in this movie. And that's one of my problems with him. But I'll get into that later. So Eddie Brock in the comic books is a really bad guy. Like he's not a great person at all. In the movie, he's not a bad guy. He's just kind of a douchebag, but 
overall, he's a good guy with very high morals. That's one very big difference between him and the comic books. Um, he's not a high moral guy in the comic books. And this, he has a lot of morals. He's like, oh, don't eat people and stuff like that. That wasn't a thing in the comics. It was more of Venom is a symbiote that attaches to this really shitty, terrible guy and makes him even more shitty and terrible. There's no back and forth dialogue about what they should and shouldn't do and he shouldn't eat people. That's not a thing in the comics like it is in the movie. So that's one big difference. Um, and I don't know which one I like better. Honestly, I, I like the idea of the symbiote attaching and bringing out your inner personality traits better than I like this uh, trapped in my body talking to me constantly thing. But at the same time, I do like the comedy that that brings. So it's kind of like a bittersweet thing for me. Um, but anyways, even though he's not a completely terrible person, Eddie Brock definitely isn't a great person. He crosses over people constantly. He's always pretty much doing whatever it takes to get back to the top after his fall from grace, from being kind of like the number one guy in reporting. Um, soon as he gets the information that Venom gives him, he's like taking all the credit. And that's kind of part of the plot of this movie. Venom is feeling very unappreciated for all of the things that he does for Eddie. Um, if you didn't know, Venom can heal Eddie's wounds. If you saw in the first movie, Eddie broke his leg <laughs> riding the motorcycle. Venom basically just snapped it back into place. He helps him heal faster. He helps him get rid of hangovers, all kind of things like that. Venom basically just enhanced Eddie Brock as a whole. And he feels that Eddie Brock does not appreciate him. And Eddie Brock feels that Venom is crowding him overwhelming him he's tired of constantly having him in his head he's tired of debating the moral dilemmas with venom which i, I probably could have done without that part like I, especially in the first movie since he had no problem with venom biting bad guys heads off i don't see why that was such an issue in this movie but you know it made for some good dialogue but let's get into some things that i loved about this movie i love the chemistry between woody harrelson and tom hardy um, just as much as I loved it between him and Venom. Uh, it was really, really dope. A anytime they were on screen together, it was the, it, the movie just seemed more believable. Not when they were the big monsters, but when just Cletus Cassidy and uh, Tom Hardy's character, Eddie Brock, were just talking every time he went to go visit Cletus. It just seemed like something out of a, a old crime thriller genre type of movie that you would watch where a serial killer is kind of taunting the officer or the reporter on the case with just little nuggets of information and I really really thought that was a a really really dope aspect of the movie that I don't really hear many people talk about um, those are some of my favorite parts of um, the movie just the interaction between Cletus and Eddie Brock um, now what I wish would have happened was there I wish they would have made a little bit more similarities between Eddie and Cletus um, I know it's kind of an old trope, but it just it still works. It it, it really does work. Um, they spent a little too much time on the love story between Screech and Cletus Cassidy. Um, it it kind of made the plot a little convoluted and a little harder to follow. Sometimes they were basically they were trying to cram a, a whole lot of things in this movie. And it was only an hour and 37 minutes, which makes me kind of feel like the movie probably got chopped a little bit. 
usually these superhero movies are in that two-hour range. At the bare minimum, an hour, 55 minutes. You know, they're usually around that two hours, two hours, 15, 210, 205. It feels like a nice bit was chopped in this movie. And, and I say that way just because I'm a video guy. And I just pay attention to things like cuts, like when a scene cuts from one scene to another, like some of these scenes cut so abruptly and go to a whole new scene that had nothing to do with the previous scene so often that I feel like some stuff had to get left out. And I really, really wonder what that was. I'm not like saying, you know, free the <laughs> release, the ultimate cut or whatever. Or who knows, maybe they will do an extended cut when they drop it to DVD. And if they do, I might have to definitely check that out if they do an extended cut. But yeah, I just feel like it suffered from being cut a little bit. And I feel like it suffered from not building more similarities between Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy. So even though there was a love story with Screech and Cletus Cassidy, I'm glad that the relationship between... Eddie Brock and his girlfriend from the first movie wasn't explored further in this movie. Um, I firmly believe that a superhero movie doesn't need an underlying romance story, but yet we get it time and time and time and time again. I know it's a staple of the genre, but it doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? We don't have to do that every superhero movie, but I understand that they're trying to reach more audiences. So I'm really, really glad they didn't explore the relationship between Eddie um, and his girl from the first movie more, um, at the beginning of the movie, they kind of did like a misdirection and made you think that they were going to do it, a deep dive into that. And then it shows she's engaged to the guy she was dating, uh, in the last movie. And Eddie's pretty crushed after that. And it, it makes for a really emotional scene afterwards that I won't spoil if you haven't seen the movie. Um, so I'm glad they didn't explore that further. I'm glad they took a risk on that. If anything, this movie was a risk, and that's why I enjoyed it for the most part. Uh, it's pretty; They did some pretty risky things, but they also did a lot of safe things. But let's get into the risky things that they chose to do. So some of the risks they took were obviously not exploring that love relationship. You know, that's a whole demographic of audience that is coming to the movies that even though they, even if they don't know that that's what they're there for, they enjoy the love stories in these movies. Um, and, you know, Spider-Man... The Spider-Man trilogy by Sam Raimi is one of my favorite superhero trilogies. Um, and that one heavily revolved around the romance between Spider-Man and Mary Jane, Peter Parker and Mary Jane or whatever. Um, and I love that. But also you look at the Batman trilogy, even though it had some minor resemblances of love and it had some small things about love in there, you know, about him and Rachel. It wasn't over exaggerated. It wasn't a main arcing thing in the plot. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that they didn't do that with Eddie Brock, but they did do it with Screech and Cletus Cassidy, which so I can't give them the full risky stamp with not going too hard on love, even though they didn't do it with their main character, which is still a pretty big risk. Um, another big risk is um, they had a lot of venom in this movie. Sounds crazy. But, yeah, they had a lot of venom in this movie. Um Last movie, anytime Venom was on the screen, I don't know if you noticed, it was always super, super dark. You couldn't see anything when Venom was on the screen in the first movie. And I think that's because of the CGI. They knew it probably wasn't great, so they had to light it in a way uh, that didn't show off that. Um, but this time we get to see Venom in the daylight. We get to see Venom in the lights. We see him in the lights of Eddie's apartment, in the lights of 
you know, being out and about and things like that. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it, they really stepped up their CGI a lot. Um, and the next risk they took was just going full camp. They went full camp. This is a movie straight out of 2002, straight out of 2003 or 2004. This is a early 2000 superhero movie with modern day effects, even down to the dialogue. They went, they went for it with the cheese. And, uh, if you're not a fan of that, I can understand why this movie may turn you off, but I appreciated that, man. I appreciated that so much. It was like watching a throwback, but in modern day it was kind of weird but uh i enjoyed it a lot all right so i've talked about everything that i've loved from the campiness from the dynamics between cletus and cassidy the dynamic between venom and eddie brock um i also loved how fast-paced this movie was for the most part um it was very fast-paced which it had to be for an hour and 30 minutes i mean um, although I do feel like they tried to cram a lot in that hour 30, it was pretty fast paced. The pace of it, the beats of it were pretty quick. It moved from plot to plot pretty quickly and for what they could do pretty smoothly. And it kept me engaged for the most part, but that takes us into the things that I didn't like so much about this movie. Uh, the first thing being when Adam, I said, Adam, when Venom and Eddie Brock separated, the movie got so slow at this point. Uh, it was like a very big drag. Um, and I find myself getting disengaged pretty quickly throughout this part when they had separated. Um, luckily, they didn't do it for very long. Um, and it it calls for a couple of funny moments and a couple of interesting things. Um, one being in this time that Venom was not with Eddie. Venom just started like basically jumping from person to person. If you know anything about the symbiote, not all hosts can hold Venom. Not all hosts can host a symbiote. As you saw in the first movie, a lot of people died. Even in this movie, we see a few people die from Venom just kind of being reckless and jumping from person to person. Um, I thought that was interesting because of the arguments they've been having the whole movie about why you can't just go do whatever you want. Um, and I thought that drove that part home very well. Um, you know, some people died. Um, some people passed out. People fainted. And uh, people, yeah, but most importantly, like, people died. He probably killed five or six people uh, just jumping from host to host just to kind of um, prove a point to Eddie. Um, and, uh, yeah, he killed some people in the process and eventually had to go crawling back uh, to Mrs. Chang for help. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was a really dope way to drill that home, but that was kind of towards the end of their separation. Um, and they were eventually going to get back together pretty shortly after that. So like I said, their separation didn't last very long, but while they were separated, it was just a drag. It just wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't an enjoyable movie at that point. And I, the main reason I think it wasn't an enjoyable movie at that point is because the lack of development with Eddie Brock's character. Um, I still don't really know anything about this version of Eddie Brock other than the fact that he was a reporter and had a TV show and fell from grace and had a chick that he date wants to date that who, in my personal opinion, they're so not made for each other. So different have no chemistry. Um, I don't really know anything about Eddie Brock's character. And I think that I hope it gets explored later in the universe, but I I'm not sure, man, because 
they haven't given you anything. I, maybe I'm just not remembering, but I, I don't know anything about this guy other than the fact that he's kind of a douchebag and, you know, the things that I mentioned before. Um, I also think this movie suffers from being PG-13. Um, they give you some really, really dope horror elements in this movie. Like some of these shots, man, are beautiful. The CGI looks amazing um oh my goodness man like some of these shots are so dope especially when carnage is murdering people and venom is killing people biting people's heads off they look so good and they look like they're gonna take it there but as soon as the kill happens it's like nope sorry pg-13 like why is there no blood when venom bites people's heads off you know what i mean like why is there no blood when cletus cassidy is murdering people vigorously on the screen. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, it's really suffered from being PG 13. I think if this was a rated R film, uh, man, this, this would have been crazy if it was a rated R film, but they went so heavy with the camp and comedy that I understand why they wanted to attract, you know, teenagers and kids and keep it at that PG 13. Um, so yeah, I get it, but man, this movie would have been great as a rated R. So that's a, another area that I thought, that it suffered from. It's like they knew Carnage and Venom had to fight, but up until that point, they didn't know what they were going to do to push the story forward to get it there. There's like four different plots happening at one time. We got the love story between Screech and Cletus Cassidy. We have the clearly different type of bond going on between Cletus Cassidy and Carnage than we have between Venom and Eddie Brock, which by the way, I still don't really know how their bonds work because while being Venom, he got stabbed like crazy. And uh, I just really don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure how their symbiotic bond works. But anyways, that's another story. Um, but yeah, so it's almost like they didn't know what to do with the story to get it to the point of the fight. The fight was amazing. The CGI was great when he said, let there be carnage when he was uh you know fighting venom man that was so amazing like the rumble from the speakers that dolby surround sound in the theaters um that was just really really dope and the shots how they lit everything up looked amazing like if all i saw was that fight scene between carnage and venom before i watched this movie i would have thought this movie was going to be the greatest movie of all time the greatest superhero movie of all time anyways or anti-hero whatever you want to call villain venom uh so yeah um i really love that end scene i really love that fight i really love what came out of that fight it was like that's the part that they took the most tender loving care to make it seem like and you could definitely tell that um but anyways that's my synopsis of the movie for the most part but the thing that made the movie, which kind of sucks that it made the movie, um, other than the fight scene, was the post credit scene. So we're going to get into that post credit scene, what that means for Venom, what that means for Spider-Man, and what that means for the Sony-verse and the MCU. All right, so for the post credit scene, yeah, um, a lot of people say this made the movie. And that's kind of unfortunate that a lot of the movie outside of the fight scene at the end in the post credit scene were forgettable but like i said that last third of the movie was an amazing movie the last third of the movie was a completely different movie than the first two thirds of the movie um, which is pretty unfortunate but anyways so the post-credit scene we get venom and eddie brock on the beach in this villa 
basically playing on a joke that Venom had earlier in the movie, saying he wanted to take a vacation. They played out into that. Venom and Eddie Brock are having dialogue like they have been through this entire movie. And basically, you know, they got into talking about like secrets. They were watching a telenovela and uh, like there was a big secret type of thing. Yeah, a telenovela is like a Mexican soap opera. But they were having a dialogue about secrets. And then Eddie and Venom started to talk about secrets. And he said, you know, you're not keeping any secrets for me, are you? And then Venom basically lets him know like, yo, like I have damn near infinite knowledge of the universe. I've been around for a very, very long time. Um, if I told you everything I know that I would like basically destroy your brain. Um, so basically what happens after that is we see him wanting to give Eddie like a little bit of his, of this knowledge. He said, like, okay, I'll give you just the tiniest fraction. And then we see something happen and we think that basically we're going to get a peek into some of the knowledge that Venom knows. Then there's this flash that happens and they're like, what happened? And Venom's like, it wasn't me. Eddie Brock's like, it wasn't me. I don't know what happened. And then they turn on the TV and we see J. Jonah Jameson from the Sam Raimi verse Spider-Man. And he is, it's basically that scene in the Spider-Man movie where he is outing Peter Parker for being Spider-Man. So basically what has happened is they just blipped into the MCU, um, which is pretty, that's pretty freaking huge. It's basically making everything canon. They're really going hard with this multiverse theory. And this sets up a lot of possibilities for the future. But anyways, we see him on the screen. Venom takes over Eddie and he's like that guy. And basically licks the screen and becomes like immediately obsessed with Spider-Man. Because... Throughout this whole movie, Venom has been calling himself the lethal protector and how he wants to go fight crime. So he sees Spider-Man on the screen and becomes obsessed immediately, um, which is a very big thing in the comic books and the video games and pretty much anything involving Spider-Man. So this has me very excited for Venom moving forward. Um, unfortunately, I think this is going to make Venom... I don't know if it's unfortunate, honestly. It's going to make Venom more of a side character, I feel. Um, maybe he'll help Spider-Man in the future. Maybe he'll fight Spider-Man in the future. Um, maybe he'll become so obsessed with him trying to be him. And he's like a villain at first that turns into a hero. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but um, it seems like it's going to make him more of a side character, which that may work better for him since we don't, we just don't know anything about Eddie Brock's character at this point. Um, but this could set up a lot for Venom three is Venom three going to be in the MCU. Is it going to be in Sony? Cause this blip took him to the MCU. This was clearly the scene from Spider-Man from Spider-Man, uh, far from home. Also, this poses a lot of questions. Did this happen because Venom tried to give some of Eddie Brock some of the hive knowledge? Or did this happen due to what we know is going to happen in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home where Doctor Strange was doing the spell and Peter kind of interrupted as we saw in the trailer and it, some things kind of went awry? Because basically, if you haven't seen the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, everybody knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Peter Parker goes to Dr. Strange to ask like, yo, it, it, can we reverse this? Everybody knows I'm Spider-Man. Can we make people forget that I'm Spider-Man? Um, and then he realizes that if he does that, not only is everybody else going to forget, but also 
MJ's going to forget and his best friend's going to forget. And he's basically interrupting Dr. Strange while he's doing the spell. Dr. Strange is like, chill, be quiet. And he keeps talking and something goes wrong with the spell. And it's like he basically, I'm pretty sure Dr. Strange basically creates the multiverse at this point or not creates it, but brings it all together. Cause we see Sam Raimi's villains pop up in this movie, um, which is going to be, you know, talk for a whole nother podcast, but yeah. So it, I'm, I'm wondering if this happened because of venom, if this happened because of Dr. Strange, if it's a combination of the two things, I'm not really sure. And also with Venom now and Eddie Brock now being in the MCU, like there's a lot of different possibilities. Is is Venom going to join the Sinister Six? Is he going to be the sixth villain? Is 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 uh you know Eddie Brock gonna you know go to the dark side, or is he going to help Spider-Man in any of the upcoming events? Is he going to pop up in the Spider-Man No Way, um No Way Home movie? You know, like what's what's going to happen with this character? Um, especially when it seems like every 10 minutes that Sony and Marvel are in another disagreement about the properties of these characters. So yeah, man, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'm definitely excited to see what's going to happen moving forward because there is a lot of possibilities. And if Sony and Marvel can just work together with these two properties, um, it's going to be amazing. Like just imagine Kevin Feige and everyone who does the Marvel movies now being able to be a little more involved with Spider-Man's rogues gallery as well, because there's a clear difference in quality of the movies. When you look at the Spider-Man movies, which are Sony and uh, Kevin Feige and the MCU people versus Venom. That is just Sony. Um, it's a very, very clear cut and dry difference in the quality and the, um, precision and of these movies. So maybe this is a good thing. Um, I, I'm just definitely excited to see what's going to happen in the future, man. But anyways, guys, this is going to wrap up the episode. I thank you guys for tuning in. I'm so glad to be back. Um, this was some venom talk and a little bit of MCU and Sony talk. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the pod. Um, if you guys ever want to talk to me about subjects to talk about on this podcast, you can always hit me up on Instagram at nerdy before it was cool. That's nerdy, you know, like nerdy before as in the number as in the letter B and the number four. It was cool. Nerdy letter B number four. It was cool on Instagram. Or you can just hit me up at Eddie Knight pods on Twitter. That's Eddie Knight E-D-D-I-E-N-I-G-H-T-P-O-D-S pods. Eddie Knight pods on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, hit me up if you want me to talk about any topics, if you have any questions you want me to answer, uh, anything, man. Yeah. Hit me up, man. I want you guys to be involved with this process as well, but man, I, I, once again, I'm so glad to be back, man. It's your boy, Eddie Knight. This is the nerdy before it was cool podcast, and I will see you or you'll hear me next Thursday.